This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash this is home. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. And today we're joined by Adam Sporland of Sports Radio 610. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good. It's, uh, it's an interesting day, that's for sure. So let's talk about the state of the Rockets, six games of the season. So the Rockets are now 2-4. and four. 14th in offense, 24th in defense, 23rd in net rating. So I know there are people listening and being like, well, come on, Salman. They've barely been healthy this season. You have to cut them some slack. Okay, so let's do this. Let's not count those first two games where when James Harden was on island without half his roster. Okay, so they're still 2-2. Two and two. That's a 500 team, 19th in offense, 17th in defense, 18th in net rating. So on the whole, it's a little bit better, but still not great. What have you thought about the way they've looked? No, you're, you're right. You're 100% right. And you brought up offensive and defensive rating. You can even go further than that. Bottom three in rebounding, which is, you know, they were bad. They were, they've been a bad rebounding team for a while, but they've been good at, at limiting turnovers. And they're bottom half, half, they are bottom half of the league in turnovers. Uh, they're bottom half. They're bottom, you know, 10 in the league in assists. They are bottom 10 in the league in pace. I mean, they don't really do anything well, it doesn't seem like. They've, they're average in offense, like you said. They're below average defensively. So I, I don't know exactly what the strengths are of this team right now. And obviously, um, they, they've been shorthanded, and that's an issue. But that's the case for everyone. I mean, most teams don't have a full deck every single night. I just watched uh, the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, and they just beat Philadelphia. Uh, so I, I don't think that being shorthanded can be used in ex- as an excuse, especially this season. So I've been very unimpressed with what I've seen through six games. Yeah, same. And like, I I, I, I can't just like adjust their their record on the fly. The record is what it is. That those first two games were just an insane, extreme scenario, right? Like the barbershop suspensions were insane. Like set, it was a six guys got suspended. I don't know. It was it was a, a ridiculous amount of talent they were missing. So I can understand that those two games. But after that, you're right. They have not. They, it's hard to find what they're good at. They're very much average to below average in everything, and it's a little worrisome. And uh, I was a guy who really liked their offensive talent, really optimistic about what they could be as an offensive team. They have not looked really good offensively. Uh, and, you know, there have been some reasons for that. And perhaps I should give them some time, maybe 15 to 20 game mark. We come back and evaluate things again. But it, as of right now, things aren't looking great. I, to be honest with you, the first game that they played against Portland, that's probably the best game that they've played all season. And that was when they were missing half the roster. So, uh, the fact that they have looked, you know, far from good when they've had everyone available or had most guys available, I think that is what's been more troubling than anything else. Yeah, let's play red flags and green flags. 
So red flags are, you know, reasons to doubt this team and green flags are reasons for optimism if you're in on the Rockets. Let's start with the red flags because they're pretty glaring and you can add some in uh, if you see any as we go. Christian Wood looks as bad defensively in drop coverage as we talked about last week on the podcast with Craig Ackerman. Like, I'm curious to see how he looks in a switching scheme. I suspect he would look better, but absent seeing that, he looks pretty rough defensively right now. And that's holding the Rockets back from what they could ultimately be this season. And like as a rim protector, he just looks lost, just completely lost. And PJ Tucker can only cover for so much, right? Like he he's already covering up a lot of holes on the Rockets. And he can't, you know, cover for how bad Christian Wood's been on that end of the floor. Like he, I, I haven't checked his net rating, but I suspect since last week he is still a negative on the whole for the team. Like, on, like even as as positive as he's been on the offensive end, he's still managed to come out negative because of how poor he's been on the defensive end. Yeah, he's remember he's twenty five years old and he's never really played in a real defensive scheme where there's actually been some pressure on him. Uh, so I think that was one of the question marks when you signed him is that you are asking a lot of a guy who's never really been asked a lot of before. Uh, so you're, you have to expect the growing pains, but you're right. I think that if I'm them, I just, I just have to wear the issues that he's having in that drop coverage, because I think that he, I think he has got a chance to be good at that because I do think that he can be a really good rim protector. I mean, you've, you've seen it in flashes. So I like that potential more, but it's rough right now and you have to make that decision is do we want to do we want to basically have to wait on this guy to grow or do we want to go back to what we're more comfortable with or at least what part of the roster is more comfortable with and they're in, stuck in this in between where you know part of this roster is ready to win now and then part of this roster is still trying to figure things out and that's a really tough spot to be in yeah i'm glad you mentioned that cuz i want to table that for something for one of one of my green flags number 2 James Harden the past two games has been aggressively passive. Like he's racked up double digit assist performances, but it's almost like he's behaving like a decoy on offense. Like there's been a lot of speculation about what the hell is going on and why he's playing like this. And the obvious first conclusion many have come to is that he's quit on the team or he's become disengaged. So I actually don't blame anyone for coming to that conclusion. I mean, he's demanded a trade. He missed a starting training camp to be in Vegas. And there continues to be leaks of his preferred destinations. Um, However, I actually do think he's hurt. Uh, He tweaked his ankle and he only missed one game, which is uh, unusual even for a low-grade ankle sprain. Like, sprained ankles are no joke in basketball. They limit your mobility like crazy. And I thought he was going to miss the week when I saw that he had a hurt ankle and I was surprised he returned for that second game against Dallas. I actually don't believe he's not giving full effort. Like he's running their sets and stuff, but as soon as, as it becomes his time to score, he makes a bailout pass. Like most of the opportunities he's took to score were easy layups and open threes. And there were points where he, where he looked like he was going to take a step back three and then he would pass it to John wall or Eric Gordon. And I don't really care what he said uh, when I asked him about it, that you know, he said he was fine. We know Harden never admits when he's hurt. If you followed this team long enough, that's been a consistent trend. Even in the last two years covering this team, we both have seen moments where Harden is like icing a body part in the locker room. And when we ask him about it, he brushes it off. And this is a unique situation because we're not in the locker room anymore. So we can't really tell what's going on. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, just watching his mobility on offense 
he doesn't look right. What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that same spot. And you mentioned, you know, seeing, seeing uh, us seeing him iced up down and then having him pretend like it's not happened. I mean, that happened, that happened to me a couple of years ago where he's icing his wrist after a game and I'm asking him about the ice pack and he's looking at me like I'm speaking a different language. So he's not the type of guy who's ever going to bring it up. Uh, it's very rare whenever he brings it up. Um, so, and like you said, it's really tough to know because I had no idea about it after that first game against Sacramento when he, when he heard it, I mean, it happened at the very end of a game and, uh, I, I didn't notice anything when he was walking. You know, I, I noticed him grabbing at the ankle, but that's pretty common for any basketball player. Uh, if you're in the locker room, then you're able to tell, Hey, maybe he's having trouble putting his shoe on or something like that. Um, so yeah, I I'm I'm willing to to say that it's the ankle at this point, but the other speculation is is warranted at this point, and that's one of the things that I'm I've noticed just being at the games is that he has been engaged. He has been engaged with his teammates. Uh, he has been engaged during timeouts. So it 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 certainly to me has looked like he has cared when he's been out uh, been out on the floor. But uh, that's one of those things that you do look at every single night when you're there is just to see how engaged is he today. Uh, but I think it's more the ankle than anything right now. Yeah, it's be- it's become a strange second storyline for the Rockets where like we're watching Harden's body language on the sidelines and the way he communicates with his teammates and the way he tries on the court. It- it's very strange, but I, I imagine that's going to be the-, the case until – um, you know, he's ultimately traded or he I, I rescinds his trade demand, which is probably unlikely. And uh, you mentioned the wrist thing. I actually remember that. I wrote that down. So in 2016-17, which was like the, the year he was battling for the MVP with Russ, he hurt his wrist towards the end of the season. And he refused to talk about it. Uh, but all the reporters were talking about how he was icing his wrist constantly in the locker room. He was favoring it during games. And... Like, I remember, like, it took the, like, he, he would refuse to rest uh, towards the end of the season because of it. And it took, like, the Rockets coming to him and being like, come on, man, you have to sit down at least one game. And he, he actually sat down a game and the Rockets put down, like, flu-like symptoms or some BS excuse. Like, it, it was clear he sat because of the wrist, but... He, he, he wasn't even willing to admit that on the injury report. It, it was very strange. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't... Vaguely, I, I remember him being sick or missing a game for something. But at this point, all the years kind of blend together, and, and with him, all the ailments kind of blend together. But I, I do remember uh, there was that one year where he got criticized actually for for not sitting out. I mean, there there was a season where he got criticized because he wanted to play, and people thought that that might affect him into the playoffs. So that that has certainly been an issue where people have considered him selfish for wanting to play, which I always thought was was kind of bizarre when he's a basketball player who wants to play basketball and he should be allowed to play basketball if he's willing to do so. Uh, that's that's just always been the, what I think has made him really valuable is that he wants to play every single night where you have a, a lot of guys who want load management and all that stuff. That's never been his thing. He wants to play. That's why uh, the fact that he did miss that game uh, last weekend, it made you know that this was something pretty serious. I believe that season, like the criticism came from the end. We're like, oh, he he's just doing this because he wants the MVP award. And then we learned as seasons progress, like, no, he just always does this. He's stubborn as hell. He will not risk like miss games. He'll he'll tweak an ankle. He'll hurt an arm or whatever, and he won't 
miss the next game. Uh, he he had that season where he had the, the tape on his shoulder. Remember, like he had the he he had something wrong with the shoulder, and he would not miss games for it. And uh, it's just, it's just always a thing. But I think th- in this situation, I I just want to see how he looks in a week. And I, I don't even know if it's going to improve. Like I I'm I'm not a doctor. I I I don't I don't imagine it's going to get much better because he's playing on it every night. No, it's it's tough, especially when you consider that they don't have very many off days. I mean, they were off today, but they're basically going every other day. It seems like for it seems like forever at this point. So it's really difficult unless you just take a couple of days off or two days off or maybe even a week off, but that's, he's not going to do that. Um, if he does, then it kind of makes you wonder, well, does he really want to be here at this point? So that's the other outline factor that comes with all this to me. What has been interesting has been his post game availabilities and just how short that they've been. And I know that's not totally uncommon, but they've been even for him very noticeably short. And he's been short with all of his answers, which I think has been kind of curious. I, I hear you, but I remember being in that locker room and and doing a forty five second press conference with James Harden. Like I, the, 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 this is like a James Harden thing where he just does not like doing press. But it, it, throughout the course of the season, you you usually get at least one ten minute press conference with James Harden, but we haven't got that yet. So yeah, it has been unusually short. Uh, one word answers over the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Even when I asked him about the injury, he's like, "Nope, I'm fine." <laughs> like it was, it was like three words. Like it, it was. Uh, it, it's 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 been that way for the course of the entire season. Third red flag for me, their offense. So, like, I I still think they can be a really good offense. I still think I still think they can be a top ten offense, but they have not gelled together in the right way. And you know, a, a lot of their shooting has been kind of like fake shooting. Like, yeah, they have 35% three point shooters on the bench, like Sterling Brown, like David Nwaba, but these, these are guys who don't take many threes and, you know, they don't provide much, you know, floor spacing because defenses aren't coming out to cover them. And, like just as a whole, like even when Christian Woods on the floor, like yeah, th- that's probably when their offense hits their ceiling. But they're not reaching the heights that you would like them to reach for you know the course of the regular season. They aren't creating a lot of threes. I mean, you just look at this season; they're they are middle of the they are middle third in three point attempts a game. They're they're averaging thirty seven three point attempts a game this season. They were over forty five last year so it's the type of shots that they're not getting this year and part of that is wall uh wall likes to take a lot of mid a a lot of long twos which i think is a little bit of an issue and a habit that they probably need to get him out of at some point but there just isn't that same sort of shot creation i don't think that and i don't think they have a ton of shooting out there anyways you brought up some of the names none of these guys are guys that i have to worry about necessarily when they're you know when they're open or, or leaving them and i think you really saw that against dallas on monday uh, without Daniel House, there was there was no there were there were really no th- uh, three point threats once you got past Harden and Eric Gordon, um, and I guess Wood, but Wood didn't shoot it well in that game. So uh, to me, they're just not creating quality shots the way that they have in the past. And when when they do get quality shots, they're not making them at, at the clip that you would like to see. Uh, and, and perhaps that helps a little bit when they start making their shots. Perhaps their offense ticks up a little bit. Uh, maybe they're due for a, a game where they shoot like 45% from three. Who knows? But in general, yeah, you're right. They don't have like a lot of these guys, as I said, they're just fake good shooters. Like they're they're not they, they they have, you know, the reputation of being, quote, three and three and D guys. But mostly they're D guys who are capable of shooting threes, but aren't really shooters. 
that you respect out there because they don't take that many. Well, let me ask you this. If you see Sterling Brown out on the floor, are you worried about Sterling Brown shooting an open three? Not unless, like, I'm not helping on anybody else. Yeah. Because if, if I'm helping on somebody else, I'm leaving them wide open. Yeah, that, that's the issue. And the same thing with Nawaba, the same thing with Jay Sean Tate. I mean, these are guys who you don't really see as threats. And so it clogs up a lot of the spacing uh, for Harden. It clogs up some of the spacing for Wall. And I do think that you see the importance that House has because at least when House is out there, you have to respect him and you have to respect the shot. Uh, and P.J. Tucker to a certain degree, but Tucker's not getting any shots. I mean, you just look at P.J. Tucker's shot attempts. I mean, they are way down. He, he had, I think he had a, a two-game stretch where he only took one field goal attempt. Um, so that's becoming a little bit of an issue as well. So they, they, they just don't have a ton of shot creators, it doesn't feel like, and they just aren't creating enough quality shots. This is going to be an ugly question. With all that said, do you think they miss Ben Mclemore? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's 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 a guy who you have to account for whenever he's out on the floor. And while he certainly has flaws uh, on one end, you at least have to respect him at the other end. And I, I do think that I don't know when they expect him to be back, but they need him out there, especially especially if, if they're not going to have House, they need to have at least Mclemore. Yeah, that's an alarming question that they're this dependent on him. But I, I do agree that they need some floor spacing out there other than PJ Tucker and Christian Wood because, you know, no one's going to respect John Wall. Even if he's a better captain shoot, shooter than Russell Westbrook, he's still getting the same defense as Russell Westbrook out there on the perimeter. Uh, same thing with Brown, Nawaba, um, Tate. You know, all these guys are just, you know, known as decent catch and shoot three-point shooters, but not really, you know, elite catch-and-shoot three-point shooters. Um, so do you have any other red flags you want to bring up? I guess maybe Tucker, uh, the fact that uh, he's not getting looks for whatever reason, and I, I don't know if there's anything that you can do about that. So I would I would say that might be a little bit a bit of an issue. He's it, it feels like he's fallen off a little bit defensively. But yeah. I don't think that should necessarily be a big surprise. He's older and coming off of a, of a shorter offseason. Um, so uh, to me, that is about it. Maybe Wall's shot selection. I mean, I think Wall for the most part has been pretty good, uh, but he takes some shots that I would, I imagine that they would prefer he not take, especially the, the, uh, the 20 foot twos. I think they could probably do without those. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about blue wire hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host your own podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate any other hosting site would charge you just for your initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bw.hustle join. I think he's a better offensive player than Russell Westbrook at points, but the mid-range twos are just 
both of those guys should not be taking them. <laughs> and the, the, the struggle is when, when he's not taking them, there's no real, there's no counter. Like what is he, what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to drive to the basket every game? And you know, the answer is probably, yeah, but like, you can't like it's not how basketball works. You have to do something else. You you can't just you know drive and you know take the occasional catch and shoot through. He has to do something else. Uh, and you know the the problem is he's not a good pull up three point shooter. That's not something the Rockets want him taking. So he's he's having to take these mid range pull ups, which you know pr- previously in his career he was hesitant to take. But as he's you know gotten better as a player, he's taken more of those. And uh, you know I, I don't think the Rockets you know like him taking those. No, uh, but he's played a certain way for his whole career, and so you have to get him out of those habits. I, I have one more red flag for you. Um, Steven Silas taking losses too hard. Um, I kind of brought this up yesterday. Like, when they lose, he doesn't hide that, and I, I don't think it's necessarily an issue, but I do think it's one of those things where he's going to drive himself crazy if he wears losses the way that he does. So uh, I brought this up last night that with Mike D'Antoni, you did not know – whether or not they lost, they won or lost. You did not know. I think for Silas, he's got to figure out a way because it's a long season. And if you're driving yourself up the wall after losses every single night, I I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go about things. I'm sure some people will disagree with that. But to me, just last night, just seeing how down he was after that game, it's one game, you know, you'll be okay. I think that's something that'll get better with experience, but you're right. Like one game, one loss should not be the end of the world. It's like, especially in a 72 game season, uh, it is uh, something he has to get better at. Mike D'Antoni in general, like he doesn't take anything seriously, <laughs> wins or losses. I've never seen him just like, you know, elated or super down. Like it's, it's, it's he's very even killed in that way. And uh, it, it, it's been it's been a strength of his, right? Because in in the rough moments, he's been able to, you know, be that same steady, cool demeanor guy in the locker room. And the Rockets have responded to that. It, it's a very underrated quality. It is a to me, it's a very underrated quality. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned PJ Tucker uh, declining defensively, and uh, and I was talking to somebody about this. I think two days ago or three days ago. I don't remember, but. Um, we were talking about his defense in the postseason and how good he was, frankly, in the postseason and how it shocked both of us how good he was because he wasn't that good in the regular season last year. He was good, but he wasn't that good. Like he's he's coming to that point in his career where he significantly kicks it up for the big moments. Yeah. And that, that means he's going to cruise for the small moments, which is the regular season. Yeah, he, he, knows, he knows when to turn it on and, and when he can and when he can turn it off. I, I actually do think they've done a pretty good job with his minutes uh, so far this season. It doesn't feel like that they have been out of control uh, the way that they have been. And p- part of that is, you know, th- they have actual centers now, uh, which is something they haven't had the luxury of a couple couple years ago to, to give Mike D'Antoni some slack. You know, it's not like he wanted to play P.J. Tucker, what was it, 36 minutes a game? Like, it's because they had to play him at center for two-thirds of the game you know it it, it was uh, out of necessity yeah for sure all right some green flags john wall has looked great like that trade could not have worked out any better for houston i did not think houston was going to get this version of john wall i haven't seen john wall look this good since the 2017 playoffs he's headed to the basket at will he's scoring he's finding teammates and he's carried over that preseason defense we talked about 
on the last podcast to the regular season. I'm super happy for him as a person because I kept up with this story the past two years and it's heartbreaking, but this is pretty cool. It's always cool to see a basketball player get a second chance. And as far as the Rockets are concerned, like that's a huge green flag because that means, you know, if you can get your stuff together in these other areas we're talking about, there's still a there's still a world where this can, this can still be a pretty good team. No, he, he's looked explosive. Um, I think that they have to be pleasantly surprised. And I think even Steven Silas that he didn't know what to expect when they got him, which I think shows you how little information that there was uh, just on how healthy he was. Uh, he's been a really good teammate, it seems like, so far, which has been important when you consider just all the nonsense that they've had to deal with over the first month. Uh, so I think that's been a positive. I also think, too, it's turned some heads around the league. And if they do decide to blow it up at some point between now and you know the next year or so, that's a guy that I imagine a team would be very interested in trading for uh, because he is only 30 years old. And while he had the Achilles tear, it does seem like he's come back from it. And with only two years left on that contract after this season, that's not bad at all. So uh, I do think that that's another trade chip that they have in the future if they decide to go in a different direction and if they decide to to just go full rebuild at some point. Yeah, and so much has been made of the Westbrook for Chris Paul trade. And, you know, I, I was a vocal critic of that at the time. But, you know, they were, they've, reco- they've recovered one draft pick from it. And if they can manage to flip John Wall for even more draft picks if they decide to blow it up. You know, it, it's not it's never going to be a good trade. Let's make that clear. It's never going to be a good trade. But they may be able to recover from that and it may not cripple their franchise as devastatingly as we might have thought before if they can get, even get more assets from John Wall. Yeah, a lot of it's going to p- depend on the pick swap. And so uh, if they make the playoffs this season and, and the pick that goes to Oklahoma City is in a lottery pick, then okay, you can live with that. But if they miss the playoffs and let's say they wind up uh, picking 10th and they lose that pick, then it becomes a, a serious, serious issue. And, and let's be clear. It's not just that like it's not just OKC they have to worry about. They have to worry about Miami because it's it's like the worst of OKC, Miami and Houston. They get that pick. So for Houston, that's why they have every incentive to be as good as possible this season. You know, in an ideal world, they're better than Miami and they can keep their pick because that's the worst pick of all those three. Yeah, for sure. And Miami hasn't been as good, I think, as people thought that they might have coming off of a finals appearance. So uh, that at least is a positive because even if Miami were to finish ahead of them, you know, let's say the Rockets are, you know, in that 15 range. Let's say Miami's early 20s and it's not quite as big a hit. Yeah. By the way, going back to John Wall, have you been surprised at like how fast he's looked? Like, because like it's an Achilles injury and it's like, how is he still this fast? It's unbelievable. It's obviously very impressive. It, it reminds me, though, a little bit of how uh, you know pitchers can come back from a from a torn UCL, you know, from Tommy John surgery, and and they throw harder. So I, I give you know I'd be interested to know just exactly how he rehabbed it and what the rehab was like. Um, to me, it's the explosion that I think is is more impressive than anything else. So um, what, whatever they're doing medically, because you're seeing a lot of guys come back from Achilles. Unfortunately, I, I don't know. If there is a reason why you know more and more players seem to be tearing their Achilles, but it does seem like that you know medically uh, people have figured out how to to come back from it, or I guess it's biomechanically they figured out how to at least rehab guys from that, so it's not as debilitating as it once was. Yeah, 
Uh, I suspect, you know, the reason, you know, there are a, a lot more Achilles injuries are probably the reason we have a lot more injuries in general. And that's, there's probably too many games. And that's a whole other discussion. Like it's, 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 it's been discussed about, uh, for the past five years endlessly. I don't want to talk about it here, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, a point of optimism that all, all these guys are coming back, uh, looking good. KD, uh, John Wall, etc. cetera. Uh, David Nwaba looks pretty good uh, coming off the Achilles. And that's actually my second green flag. As odd as it may be to say, like, I still think they have decent bench depth. Like, David Nwaba looks like he did in 2018 before he got hurt. Obviously, defensively, he looks good. But offensively, every game he finishes, like, two layups, uh, that always catch my attention because they're so difficult and he shouldn't be making them, but he makes them anyway. Sterling Brown looks good. Now he has this annoying habit that from Milwaukee that I, I, I'm not sure if he's gotten, gotten rid of, but like he'll get way too confident in his abilities offensively and he'll, he'll do something crazy. And I haven't seen that yet, but I, I would not be surprised if that comes up at some point this season, but he's looked really good, especially as a three point shooter. He's really been hitting his threes at a pretty good clip. Jay Sean Tate has been the surprise of their offseason for sure. Like they just nabbed this guy up from Australia and he's looked like a really good player and they have him signed to a pretty cheap deal uh, for the next three years. And, you know, with PJ Tucker's contract expiring and J- and, you know, Jay Sean Tate looking this good, like I, uh, you can, you'd imagine the Rockets are pretty happy with, with what they've seen uh, so far from Jay Sean Tate, but overall their bench, depth i think and demarcus cousins has looked good uh so far for them uh i I think their bench depth has been good for them yeah it's been fine um the problem with the guys that you mentioned especially tate and nawaba is that they are good on one end uh, they are good on one end of the floor and they do certain things well but they're just not really well-rounded guys and offensively at least you know tate's done a good job of of at least cutting to the rim and making plays that way, but he's not a threat to shoot the ball. Uh, Nawaba, I, I know he's hit a couple, but you're not worried about David Nawaba uh, when he's open. So I, I think that these are, are quality NBA players. Same thing with Sterling Brown, and they can play for you, but I, I don't think that you want to stretch them quite so thin. That's why That's why they need to get House back. That's why they need to get Macklemore back so that they don't have to, so that these types of guys don't have to carry quite the load and that they can, uh, you know, I don't think you want to have to rely on these guys, I guess is the point. Yeah, I can't believe I skipped over this, by the way. Eric Gordon's probably the biggest reason for optimism from their bench. Like, he's looked awesome this start of the season. And like that's just coming off probably the worst year of his career last year. And he has responded to that brilliantly. Like he's shooting the three ball well, he's getting to the basket, he's defending. He's looked like the Eric Gordon of 2018. Like he's looked awesome. And I think having that guy back for your bench is huge. Yeah, Eric Gordon's really good. And it's amazing how quickly people tend to forget how good Eric Gordon is just because he, he did have one down year and you know guys have down years all the time. That's just, that's part of the NBA uh, and there you have those years where you just nothing goes right and you can't stay healthy. Uh, but the fact that he's been able to be on the floor and he's looked good and he appears to be healthy right now, I mean, that's a, a big, um, that's essentially a big addition for them at this point. And it's also another guy, you know, I, I brought, I brought this up with wall. That's another potential trade chip if they decide to start to rebuild because that contract isn't out of control and there's only two years left on it after this season. So 
Uh, the fact that the veterans are playing well, it gives you options moving forward where these contracts just aren't huge land holes. Yeah, the point you mentioned about his contract is huge because it did look pretty out of control after last year, right? If that was the Eric Gordon you were getting for the next, you know, four years, like, yeah, that that was not a good contract at all. Really difficult to trade. But now that's a, that's a piece in Houston's, you know, trade chest. Should they decide to upgrade the roster or rebuild or whatever they choose to do, that contract has value now. They can get something for that because uh, that's a really good player. And people call it a four-year deal. It's only a four-year deal if he makes the all-star team or if he wins a championship. Otherwise, it's just three years, and three years is more than palatable for a guy with his skills at only 32 years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we tabled this discussion from earlier in the in the podcast. I want to bring it back up. So their defense actually looks good. This is my third black. Their defense actually looks good when they decide to switch everything. And to me, it's become patently obvious that they are a better defensive team when they decide to switch everything than when they decide to play drop coverage and i'm actually not sure how christian wood would look in a drop in a switch everything system i suspect he would look better than this because frankly anything could be better than this and i've seen instances where he switched and he's looked better than this um and i i I don't know i i think the rockets should really evaluate reevaluate what their base defense should be especially if if their if their plan is to you know, win this year because so far they've succeeded best when they've played these small lineups. Uh, you know, the Tate, Nuaba, uh, Harden, Gordon lineups where, where they switch everything on defense and they can run, you know, their offense like 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 they, with a space floor. And I think, I think if they decide to make switching their base defense again and make drop coverage something they do when demarcus cousins is on the floor because they're still gonna have to drop because you can't switch everything when demarcus cousins is out there i i i, I think they might benefit from it I, i'd like to see how they they should try it out for a game or two just to see because at this point like you can't get worse uh, uh from christian wood for whatever reason they and this is i guess a silas thing where uh, he believes that you are better off in drop coverage, which yeah, I, I don't know. I to me, I think that team's kind of caught up to switching, at least with them over the last couple of years. So I, I kind of understand where they're coming from with that, and I do think that they need to have more than just the one option. So to be honest with you, if I'm them, I try and figure it out with the drop coverage and see if it can work. Uh, but I, I do think that you reserve the right to try and do both and give both a shot because. For me, I don't think that you want to let an opponent get comfortable with just playing one defense. And so if you have the ability to switch up your defenses from you know quarter to quarter, possession to possession, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. So if I'm them, I try and, and get 54. I try and clean up 54. And if we want to go 55, then you still have that in your back pocket. So I, I, I'm fine with them giving it a shot with both. At the end of the day, again, if your goal is to win every is, is to win every night, Right now, what we're seeing is, you know, one way is working better than the other. But you're right; they shouldn't they shouldn't lean too heavily into it, and that that should be the only thing they do. But it might be the best main option if you really think about it. I, I think it is right now, and Silas basically admitted that uh, earlier this week, where they are better and they have guys who are frankly more comfortable in playing switch everything. Uh, but I think that's the decision that they have to make going forward is if that's, is that going to work best for us? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I to me, um, if you, ha- to, I think wood can be a really good rim protector. 
So I kind of like him in a drop back. I know it hasn't worked out so far, and I know he doesn't look really good with that so far. But I, to me, I kind of want him at the rim as much as possible. And he's just, he's got to get better at it. You are much more optimistic in his rim protection ability than I am, sir. One aspect of this is like, you know, a lot, a lot of their guys just do not, are not really good, are not good at fighting through screens. James Harden, like to, to play a drop coverage, you have to fight through screens. And James Harden will not fight through screens to save his life, especially early on this season. I just, he just will not do that. And in a switch, in a switch everything system, that's something that really complements him pretty well. And it, 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 it reintroduces his strongest quality as a defender, which is the post defense, right? Because teams try taking advantage of that without fail every single year, even in the postseason. As much as people talk about, oh, that's not really a strong quality because everybody knows it and not, in, you know, nobody really posts up anymore. Without fail, every, every year in the postseason, somebody tries to post up James Harden and it never works out. And the Rockets love when that happens. And I think. Having that back, you know, it, 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 it's just, it's, it's something, it's something they should think about, you know? No, no question. Um, it, there's always the possibility though, that James Harden might not be around for the long haul. So are yeah, you, yeah. So you're are, right. So do you want to revolve your defense around the strengths of a guy who might not be here in a week or in a month or in a year? So uh, I, I just, I think that's what they have to figure out going forward is like, who do you want to, who do you want to revolve your defense around at this point? I think it's a tough decision. I think that you're going to see them switch more, but I do think that they want to work on drop coverage just because I think that Steven Silas believes that's how you can be. That's how you, that's how you have a better chance of being a successful defense doing it that way than switching everything. And, you know, statistically that's correct actually, because <clears throat> most of the top 10 defenses in the league are drop coverages, Right. Uh, it's it just this particular team has been better with switch defense over the past couple of years. So they've been the exception to the rule, right? Like the Bucks, the Lakers, like mo- most teams that are elite defense, the Jazz, most teams that are elite defensively, you know, run a drop coverage scheme. And the Rockets and the Warriors, um, when, you know, they were in at their height, uh, were the only teams that were just exceptional at switching everything. So, it, it, it will be interesting to see what they do over the next couple of days. Uh, I think they do need to get their offense together before they even talk about this stuff because uh, they have more offensive talent than defensive talent. And there's no excuse. They're like, they sh- they're like, what, is, what are they? They're 19th in offense over the last four games. Like, there's no excuse for that. They, they, with James Harden on your team, you should be top 10 at the minimum, really top five because he's been that good. Uh, and he's placed that expectation on upon himself. I think a, a big part of that is getting him healthy, and it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with with him over the next couple of days. I, I suspect he's going to try and play through whatever ailment he may or may not have. Again, we are just speculating at this point that he's hurt. We, we will never know until they tell us, and they will never tell us, right? They will never tell us until he actually sits out a game. Um, so all this stuff is going to be interesting to monitor. Uh, Sorry. They- they didn't tell us he was going to miss the game on Saturday until an hour and a half before. I mean, he, he didn't even tell Steven Silas. That was crazy. Like it, it got to the point where he went to shoot around and did not tell anybody that he was testing his ankle, but he went to shoot around to go test his ankle. And then wait, let, let me correct that. Um, so that was the Saturday game against Orlando. So it was a four o'clock game. They didn't have shoot around um, and they didn't practice on uh, they didn't practice that Friday on New Year's Day. 
So he just didn't tell anyone. He just got to the arena earlier than normal and tested it out. So they had no idea about the ankle thing until he did his actual uh, pregame routine. That was that was kind of the timeline of that. It just he did his pregame routine earlier than normal. Yeah, it 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 was a very bizarre situation. Uh, and again, we're not going to get any answers on this until <laughs> until we get the injury report where it says, "Oh, he's out," or you know, he's questionable or whatever. And I. I don't think we're going to get that for the next couple of weeks. I think it takes a lot for Harden to sit out a game. And I think he's probably going to try to ride this out until the ankle feels better. I don't know how that happens. Uh, but again, James Harden has uh, defied modern medicine a few times over the past decade. So we'll see. Uh, Adam, do you have anything to plug? Uh, just uh, sportsradio610.com. And where can we follow you on Twitter? At Adam Spillane. Thank you so much for coming on. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoy the show. And yeah, guys, good night.